Hey, what's up, everyone? We are back. Another episode of Kente Corner. After a big Georgetown win, um, as always, I'm Bobby Bancroft. And as always, uh, recently, you are Ben Standick. Ben, what's up, man? Well, I've been Ben Standick for many years now. Too many to, to, to count, to be honest. But uh, yes, back-to-back <laughs> back back episodes for me. Excited to to be here uh much more excited to talk after compared to the last episode uh although uh, there's still some things to discuss with that whole uh situation but yeah uh interesting one for sure uh bobby yeah yeah no um i don't think no one really knew what was going to happen no one really knew who was actually going to play um we knew akinjo and leblanc were not going to play but uh georgetown went into stillwater and they were actually missing one of their better players so that's just sort of what happens, you know. Those are the breaks. Hoyas come away with a big 81-74 victory over the Cowboys, and they moved to 2-0 against the Big Ten. Um, Oklahoma State was not ranked in the AP, but they were ranked in the coaches' poll for whatever that is worth. Um, kind of what you thought had to happen for Georgetown to win games against good teams. McClung went off 33, just five short of a career high. And you're seven, 19 points, eight for 20. They took a ton of shots as what's going to need to happen. Then um, is this kind of the blueprint? I, I think we talked the other day, sort of, you know, what has to happen. It used to be they had to have two of their three big scores go off. Well, one of their big scores is gone. So you kind of need, you can't get 33 from McClung, but you're going to need him to be in the 20s, right? That's kind of what they're going to have to be. For, for for sure, and not not and before I get into that, uh, for, for I, not not to speak for Bobby because I don't have the show agenda, but we'll get into the we're, we're, we haven't put aside the suspensions and the, uh, the 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 people leaving or the lack of suspensions. We'll get to all that. But right now, yeah, of course, yeah. Let's just so, yeah, let, know, let's just, just talk know, about I'm, the good stuff first. Yeah, I just. You know, and by the way, the good stuff, does that include DePaul just won in overtime? They're 9-0? and What the hell? What year is this? This is crazy. Um, um, and you know what, though, too? I watched, like, the last five minutes of the game. It looks like they have a home court advantage. Uh, yeah, well, you know, they uh, – they, they, good, 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 good for DePaul. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's been a minute since they were – remotely relevant anyway they're not relevant to this discussion uh yeah i mean we talked about this the other day that look uh i think you and i were at least or, or I, I think i was i think you were sort of with me and and, and andrew mr casual was, was what was behind us in terms of in the short term at least based on knowing that akinjo and and leblanc were out but if everybody else was still here that georgetown from a body's perspective had enough and that with Terrell Allen being a, a legitimate point guard based on what he did at Central Florida for a team that you know made the NCAA tournament, uh, you know nearly beat Duke, that like at least in the short term they had enough to win if everything kind of went right. And when you have a game where Mac McClung goes off for 33 points, you know, and your Saban is as, as efficient as he typically has been with 19 and nine, you know that's the type of that's the type of going off that we're that, that that we're talking about that Allen was able to come in and put up an you know an Akinjo worthy line of fifteen and five, you know yes they've got to have three guys do some things and that kind of happened tonight. Pickett and Mosley were were sort of uh, passengers as you uh, like to say to some degree, but you know 
at least from a scoring perspective. So yeah, so this was a good, uh, you know, obviously a, 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 a good. I mean, look, it's good in a lot of levels from Georgetown from the basketball perspective, and I think it showed how they could potentially get by. And you know, I don't want to say thrive as if they won't miss Akinjo or in LeBlanc, but like that they have enough pieces on their good days to be competitive. Uh, that's now. We'll see where things are, you know, in, in a few weeks or even a few days. But for right now, I think they showed tonight why they can still be an interesting team going forward. Yeah, and I thought it was probably – I mean, you know, we, I, I'm sitting in the exact same spot that we recorded this podcast the other night, and I'm looking at the same spot thinking to myself, I can't believe I'm saying this, but for the first time in a long time, Georgetown has the depth to overcome losing players like this. And it, that's been a while. And actually, even when Georgetown was, you know, really good, you know, five, six, seven years ago, they usually had shorter teams. Like, you lose one guy, you're in big trouble. And, um, you know – it just wasn't sort of working with Akinjo. This is not that Akinjo is not good. He's the biggest freshman of the year. He's a really good basketball player. Him and McClung weren't playing together well enough. And it's unfortunate that that was the situation. Allen stepped in like a fifth-year guy. This is his third college. Um, he's a DeMatha kid. So, you know, there's really not going to be anything he hasn't seen, right? I mean, this is the perfect – our next our next man up, and I know you hate that saying – is as veteran as you can get in college basketball. And when you play high school basketball at DeMatha, you've kind of seen it all at the prep level. So he stepped up in the second half. And, you know, uh, Georgetown faced that normal sort of, um, you know, you come out in the second half, you're up by four or five points. Oklahoma State hit them with whatever they had. They got up by five, and they didn't They didn't back down. And I, I was sort of sitting there like, oh, here we go. Here, you know, it's going to be the moral victory group, you know, Georgetown played well, but they're missing too much. And, you know, um, McClung just kind of went off. I think going forward, I know you just, you use my line about Pickett and Mosley being passengers. Now they both each had seven rebounds. The problem is they combined to only take seven shots and they only made two. Now I'm not expecting them to take 12 shots just out of character, but I think the opportunity is there for particularly Pickett. He had some nice passes out of the zone. Um, for scores, but I think, I think Pickett's going to have to be a little bit more. You're going to need just something from someone else. And I think he's the guy. Yeah, no, for, for, for sure. And, and just to go, you know, to, just to go back a sec to the, uh, the next man up thing. The, the reason I, I, you're right. I, I, I've made that case on the, on Twitter or just general conversation about not that because, it is. It, it, it's assuming that the next player is somebody who can give you know give you comparable, if not be a reasonable facsimile to the player they're replacing. And oftentimes that's you know, just simply preposterous. And we've right. seen that over the years with, with with you know Georgetown or other teams where you, you know, an injury happens or something. And you're like, oh man, now what do we do? Um, but that wasn't the case here. This was the one of those weird times where the this guy came in, Terrell Allen, and he just came off a of really you know again he's whatever he is, I'm not saying he's an NBA player or anything like that, but he's a solid college basketball player at that specific position that they just lost a big, a big key. And then simultaneously, you know, they do have some other guys with size, um, you know, to, to help fill in without LeBlanc who hadn't been playing as many minutes as we would have assumed anyway. So it, it is just a weird circumstance that in this case, 
it worked out from this perspective. I mean, again, uh, you, you know, uh, I think we're, we're we're not looking at this from the Oklahoma State perspective. I certainly don't have any sense of what the, of what they're all about. I'm guessing you don't have a ton either, other than like they, they obviously were like you said ranked as the coaches poll. So obviously they're a pretty good team and, and, and all that. So that you know, well, like it shows that they. Just so like, I mean, just to just for like a sort of like a abstract comparison, just they beat Penn State. Okay, so we sure. know that Penn State, you know, gave Rashan some fits. Um, they crushed Syracuse, and I think in their last game they beat Ole Miss something like seventy nine or like seventy five to thirty nine. So they were missing one of their better players, but obviously so was Georgetown, and Georgetown had much more of a storm around their program. So I think that you can at least call that even, right? So it's definitely a really good win. Absolutely, and and you know again just to sort of keep it in the basketball perspective, but for looking ahead. So like on the last podcast, I made some reference, I believe, to the idea of that because of Allen, because of their depth, and because you had guys like McClung and Yurtaven, who who we've seen score picket to some degree as well, that like I wasn't like completely throwing out the chances of making the tournament. Uh, again, understanding that the odds of, of that happening just went down a lot. Because the one thing is now they can't afford anything else to happen. You know, will anybody else get suspended? Uh, not no longer on the team, let alone the basics like injuries and foul trouble, because you know they, they, their depth at this point is pretty much what it is. The nine guys more or less have played um, today, and that's including you know Wahab and, and Gardner, who you know we're still kind of learning and seeing what they can or kind of can't do. Um, so so that so that's positive. And look, I mean you know they lost, you know they beat Texas, but then they lose. They lost to Penn State. They lost to Duke. They lost to UNC Greensboro. None of those are going to be considered bad losses by any stretch, but at some point you still need to win some of these games. They did that today. That's a big win. You know, offsets at minimum the NC Greensboro loss, right, to some degree, or maybe the Penn State if you want to even it out, however you want to do it. Uh, plus now you got SMU and Syracuse coming up. You know, if, if Georgetown can uh, – you know, look, Syracuse has been obviously a mess on the court this year, So, so and that's at, in, in D.C., so that's, you know, you would think if this – what we saw tonight is – something they can continue that's good that's good for Georgetown so from purely from a basketball NCAA tournament resume perspective this win definitely could go a long way towards uh you know helping them out and you know with a, with a couple more opportunities at least to get some interesting teams uh so so you know they lose this game you know uh, again I wouldn't say it's over but you know it, it's it's a much more complicated situation so huge win from from that perspective yeah absolutely and uh it was it was just sort of a big win. I don't. Do we want to go to the beginning of the game now? Do we want to go to like what happened seventeen minutes before tip off? We could do that. By the way, I will just say shout out to all the people who uh, told me they listened to, to the podcast. Was it two days ago we did that? And I know you said you had a lot of people that that, that listened. Uh, I don't want to brag about how many, but uh, well, obviously it's a it's an interesting time to say the least with Georgetown. One of the more interesting periods in the last you know twenty years for sure, and it's not the best of conversations, but it's nice that people said, hey, I want to hear what Bob being casual had to say, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, um, I don't want to get into the exact numbers, but we basically did like four, almost five times the normal business that we do, so if, we, if we'd been a bar, we probably would have ran, we would have ran out of beer. So this was like uh, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving versus the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Yeah, this was like the Wednesday, the last podcast was like the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, Compared to like uh, 
usually like uh, I feel like January 1st is a bad night at a bar because everyone got drunk the night before. <laughs> right, right. Right. Um, um, but anyway, so I'm trying to get just to set the scene at my house. I'm trying to scramble to get my son to bed, I'm trying to go through all the gymnastics that it requires to put a th- an almost three-year-old to bed. And uh, I look at my phone and of course, Georgetown has just sent out a press release um, from Ewing and Reed and it didn't really say a whole lot. I thought the most, the most interesting thing was in the first press release, when Akinjo and LeBlanc, they said that they were decided because they didn't say they were dismissed. They said that they were leaving the program. So they wanted to transfer. He, you know, a lot of times coaches throw in like, you know, we wish them the best kind of stuff. So there was that we, we didn't get that in the first version. And then, as you know, they can't comment on anything specific, anything that's going on. Um, I think the thing that some people were probably looking for, and I know a lot of people tweeted at me that they were disappointed. A lot of people feel that, you know, the players' names that they saw pop up in some of the court documents should probably be suspended until that gets figured out. Um, Georgetown's obviously, they haven't been doing that all season. I didn't think that they were going to start tonight. Um, So, you know, I didn't respond to any of those people. I'm not really sure what to say about this is sort of my first rodeo in dealing with a college program i pretty much deal with georgetown george mason and i don't think it's happened since i've been covering a team that they've had to deal with this kind of thing so um <clears throat> the statement really didn't say a whole lot but it kind of said the stuff that i think people were waiting for like the idea that georgetown didn't put anything out you know and then they waited till 17 minutes before tip-off seems weird why not do it in the afternoon why not you know why not do it at five o'clock it just seemed kind of weird timing to me for sure. And one thing I guess that's worth noting, you and I are talking not that long after the game ended. Uh, I assume, I don't know, I have not seen, I assume Georgetown had a press conference after the game. Now, I would also assume that essentially none of the local reporters went. Now, the students, somebody from the student paper typically goes on the road, but I, I don't know if I... Uh, I think I saw, I, said. I saw somebody, it looks like the post got some sort of, you know, someone on the ground to cover the game for them is what it looked like. I saw someone tweet, it's a great opportunity. I get to, you know, cover this game for the post. So it looks like that's how they handled it. Got it. Well, in, in any event, like I was saying, like the, the standard sort of local reporters um, aren't um, aren't there. So I don't – so we don't even know what happened at this moment post-game because obviously what I think happened pre-game – was to, you know, in, in the statement from Patrick Ewing, as well as a, a second statement from the uh, athletic director, Lee Reed, he put one out yesterday, um, you know, Ewing, you know, said, you know, that, like you said, the the players decided, Kinjo and LeBlanc decided to transfer as opposed to being dismissed, which, again, is interesting because if these allegations are out there, they're, Georgetown has continually now said they weren't kicked off the team, they left. Okay, that that that's that's another that's one thing. The other two players, Alexander and um, crap, what's his name? I'm blanking here. What the Gardner? Gardner, sorry, Gardner. Uh, they they uh, they're still they play tonight. They're they're not suspended, still playing. So at the moment, at least, you know, Georgetown has not given us any specifics. But whatever they're saying from their perspective at this moment. Uh, they, Lee Reed said yesterday that there's still an ongoing investigation uh, to some degree, and the future, pun- future punishment could be happening. That said, 
at the moment they're not doing deeming anything to need to be suspension worthy or or that the players need to be kicked off the team. So that's notable for now. But I think that the part of Ewing's statement pregame, you know, he said, "Look, I want people to understand we, you know, we, we there's a lot going on out there. We want to make sure people get we we are you know fully committed to you know doing what's right for this uh, for this team for this university and all that." But then he also says at the end of it. I won't have any more to say on these allegations at this point, which I assume was a precursor was sort of letting the, the post game people know, hey, right. bug off. You can ask whatever you want to ask. It's not happening. Um, so you know, and because none of us are there, I'd be sort of curious as to what happened. There will be presumably an Associated Press reporter, and obviously there's reporters from Oklahoma State who cover that team. I don't know how much they necessarily would care about crushing the, or, you know, not crushing, but diving into Georgia and the way others might who have more vested interests from a media perspective. But in any event, um, yeah, it's, it, the, the timing is, is, is curious. Um, you know, there's a lot that's curious about this situation from the PR perspective and, and even more so the timing perspective on so many of these matters. Um, you know, how long ago did they know these things? You know, some of the, the timeline that I think Casual Hoya uh, put up uh, on the site with regards to kind of going through all the dates kind of seems to indicate that uh, hey, uh, this has been this is known to some degree before the season started, if not significantly before the season started, and yet only na- you know you guys aren't even now able to provide specifics. You're, you you know these players aren't suspended. What does that mean? So there's a lot to to, to sort of still uh, figure out here. Yeah, it looks like they're letting the, you know going through the process of all the campus. What you know, how, however Georgetown handles it with their you know, enforcement or, you know, law enforcement um, and then the DC as well. Um, it's, I mean, yeah, I wasn't sure, you know, cause at first it wasn't really clear, you know, you're like, Oh, they're both leaving. Well, they must both be part of this. And then it's like, well, wait, the language is not that they got dismissed. They just, they decided, you know, they just don't want to play at Georgetown anymore. And then you're, you're like, okay. So then when you look at those dates, like you said, all, you know, all the investigative online sleuths that figured everything out, then it becomes clear that, you know, even though LeBlanc was suspended for a game, the the opener, you're not, it's it's not really clear that it was because of this stuff, because he was the only player suspended. So then it just becomes, well, they're definitely going to, you know, Alexander and Gardner are clearly going to play tonight because they the way they've been handling it is that they're going to let it take, you know, whatever legal ways it gets handled, they're going to let that happen before they make their you know, if at all disciplinary um, actions. Um, but that being said, I was pregame because I, you know, I figure, okay, the game's at eight. That means around like six thirty, there's going to be like Oklahoma State versions of me that are maybe going to like, you know, take a picture of the warmups. So I literally, there was, I don't even know who it was. It was some guy, and he posted a, you know, a photo of the court, and I kind of like, you know try to, you know, get in closer and just sort of look and like trying to count the players. But as you make the, as you make the photo bigger, the, you know, the faces become blurry. Like it's really ridiculous that I was even doing this. And I was like, yeah. I think ever, what's that? Yes, I would agree. Well, I mean, cause I, you know, I was interested. I mean, like you said, if they have nine, if they have their, if their rotation goes from 11 to nine. Yes. I know obviously LeBlanc and Akinjo are really good players, but it's not like, these nine players can definitely do enough to put them on the bubble is what I would say. But if you go from 11 to seven 
And then your depth at that point becomes freshmen that haven't played yet or, you know, walk-ons of varying um, classes. Well, that's a big problem. So I was like, well, let's see, you know, are these guys, is, is, is everyone there? And it's like, well, everyone's there. So, and they all played. So, you know, I still think that this is a group of nine players. I know Andrew said it was completely over. They're not going to make the tournament or they're not going to be in the mix. I think, you know, obviously McClung's not going to average 33 points a night, but you're going to need Pickett to score a little bit more. You're going to need Mosley. You're going to need Alexander. You're going to need other guys, you know, to play more as a team. And I did think that the ball was moving better today um, at times, um, particularly against the zone, which is always, you know, a difficult thing when everyone throws a zone at Georgetown. It's like, oh boy, here we go. But, um, and, and as you <laughs> tweeted out, Ewing and his, he did make a post game, uh, you know, the post game interview on television. He kind of went into, uh, and I think yeah. he mentioned this in the statement as well, but the idea of it's got to be about we, not me. Uh, he mm-hmm. didn't mention Akinjo by name, but like, you know, you can kind of imagine uh, what he's talking about. Akinjo, as, as, as the kids like to say now, is more of a, a uh, points guard as opposed to a point guard in the classic That's but, that's really clever. <laughs> but uh, but but Allen is more in that classic distributor type guy. He did score a little tonight, but you know I think he's you know a, a little more in that in that kind of what range, and therefore the ball is going to move. And you know again, you've got a guy in McClung who obviously can fill it up, and you're saving. You want the you want him taking as many good shots as possible with with, with his ability in there and, and uh, you know, other guys have, you know, here and there, including Blair, uh, you know, has shown that they can, um, you know, ma- ma- you know, get hot at times. And, and, it, you know, it feels like this will be a Georgetown team. Now it's just going to be, again, assuming that these, these nine guys stay, it's just going to be incredibly streaky where there's games McClung goes off or there's games he scores six points. And this is probably the same for Pickett or Blair or whomever. And, you know, you just got to have to hope that on some of these nights, that you know, one guy's off, somebody else steps up, and and kind of uh, kind of go uh, kind of go from there. By, by the way, um, one, one thing because you you watched the game uh, throughout, I, I was only able to sort of pick, pick and choose when I could do it because I was doing some other things. Um, but the one thing I said the other day was that we're going to learn a lot about Patrick Ewing. There's obviously the off the court stuff, how he's running the program. We'll see about that. But then there's the in game coaching. He just lost some players. That he's going to have to make adjustments. Did you? You know, it's it's only one game. I get that, but like, did you have a sense of something looking different beyond some of the ball movement you said uh, in the game? I mean, really, it was just it was the ball movement. I mean, I don't think, you know, it's not like all it's it's you know it's not like he tapped McClung on the on the shoulder. Well, I'll say this as far as coaching, he's recently sort of. I mean, he's been giving McClung a pretty short leash. And at one point in the first half, I don't know the dimensions of Oklahoma State's court, but they have a half court. They've got like a big orange, whatever, OK State logo or whatever it is. He took a shot that was part of that. So it was pretty deep. And I think if he'd done that against like, you know, Penn State or UNC Greensboro, he would have sat for 10 minutes. But he can't do that anymore. Right. Like McClung can kind of do stuff like that if he wants to, as long as he's not in foul trouble. Um no, I didn't. I didn't notice. I mean, obviously they didn't um, press because that's not something that you could really do anymore. Um, no, I didn't notice anything in, in particular. Just sort of, you know, you've got you've got Mosley and Allen as sort of they're not points guards. They're point guards. So 
they did a good job of breaking the press and, you know, passing it out of the press. And um, there were some turnovers here and there, but no, I, I didn't notice any particular uh, strategic change. I mean, the one change from last year to this year is the focus on getting the ball down low, which was not there last year because Jesse would play outside a lot of the time. So Amir um, recovered from a poor first half, which was kind of a continuation of um, the Greensboro loss. Um, but no, I, I didn't notice anything particular that they were that really really stood out as wow they've they've changed this. It's pretty much they played all nine guys in each half, which is what he's kind of been doing. And um, for, well, from a uh, for, since you mentioned the passing, you know, in terms of assists, uh, looking at their stats, uh, they had a season high nineteen against Central Arkansas. This is the third time they've had sixteen, which is the second most. Um, but that's, you know, the second most that they've had in any game. Last game, they had 11 assists with 13 turnovers today, 16 and 12. So so that's a sign. They also, 16 turnovers, you know, it's not a insane number, but, you know, maybe, maybe a tick high. But the last two games, both losses, 24 turnovers against Duke, 19 against uh, Greensboro. So, so they did uh, cut back on that as well. I mean, tonight, though, because McClung went off, they had been a pretty poor three-point shooting team this year. They actually – Oklahoma State hit more, but Georgetown was in the area code of, you know, that they hit they hit nine. They've had games where they had like four. They've had five. I do think that they did a great job in the second half rebounding. And so even though, you know, Pickett, like I said, Pickett and Mosley, they didn't score a lot. They each had seven rebounds. Um, Alexander in 13 minutes had seven re- rebounds. Gardner had four boards in 10 minutes. They did a really good job against Oklahoma State on the boards and making sure that those second chance opportunities went away. Um, the real test for this team is going to be like we saw against Duke, where Clung came out hot. He had like two threes off the bat, but then he got two fouls and he went to the bench. So I think we were talking on Twitter about it how we were sort of surprised that Ewing was very, very married to the idea of if you get two fouls, you're going to sit until halftime. Well, now, if you know, if you're seven or McClung gets two fouls in the first half, I don't know if he can afford to do that based on just getting shot attempts up. I mean, those two combined for like 40 of George Hunt's 60 shots. So they're not going to be able to really withstand that kind of an issue. You know, basically right now for Georgetown, it's a really tight, narrow. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's just a real, there's not, there's a slim margin of error against a quality team. And you look at their schedule, they don't have a lot of cupcakes left. I mean, American's not that good. Your alma mater, UMBC, they're probably not that good, but pretty much all they have left is good teams. So it's going to be really interesting when they do face some adversity in the term, you know, in in foul trouble or you know something like that. Uh, for sure. For, for what it's worth, I'm I'm doing a quick search on Twitter, looking up Patrick Ewing to see if there's any comments post game. But I, at the moment, I don't see anything. I just see, like you mentioned some uh some tweets about after the game immediately after the game from luminaries like dick vital and john fanta so uh I don't right, well, look anything. look 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 slow down okay vital i saw goodman i saw seth davis i don't know for lumping in john fanta in that group i think you're just doing that because you're talking to me um just saying he's like the face of the big east uh, yeah it's interesting it's interesting that he's the face of the big east um hey so alan had 15 points tonight in the previous seven games without cheating do you want to guess how many points he had i'll go 14 16 
and he he had not made a three. Oh, speaking of not making a three, and something I asked your seven about on the media day was, can you step out? You know, th- th- this program is used to Derrickson, to Jesse, you know, guys stepping out. And he was like, yeah, I can step out. Well, he made his first three of the season tonight. And when you win a close game in Stillwater, every point mattered. Um, yeah, and so, it looks like they're the not they went nine for twenty two from three. That's the most threes they've made in a game this oh, yeah. year. Second time they went over forty percent from three. So did you, you know, see what uh, they did? He, did you see what they did from the line? Yeah, perfect. What fourteen for fourteen? Perfect. Now, now let me now let me throw a little bit of cold water onto the situation just from this perspective. We we we've given a lot of positives. Hopefully, people feel better. <laughs> about the, the basketball playing situation. I, I can't help you with the off-the-court stuff just yet. But the little bit of cold water is just this. I mean, I've been, on, you know, I've been around this, uh, you know, around long enough to see these types of things happen, whether we're talking about, you know, sort of a jarring uh, exit, or, you know, in sort of controversial situation we're dealing with or, or, or players you know, suffering injuries or what have you. I often find that in the next game, the team, assuming that they didn't just lose everything, all their pieces, can typically uh, rally around each other and maybe even put forth a significantly better effort than you would imagine because there's a lot of adrenaline flowing and it's us against the world type thing. But over time, that doesn't necessarily last unless it's for real. So, you know, look, they've got – they do have these, you know, uh, SMU and Syracuse are, you know, certainly interesting teams, to, you know, to, to be kind. And then, obviously, there's three more games than the Big East uh, start. So, you know, there's a long way to go in this season. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what they can do. I think we've already made the case why the, the, there's at least a reason to be hopeful. But I would just say that, you know, the next game, because after something like that, I've often found has been one where teams maybe – Play up, play up a bit more than what's reality, and we'll just have to yeah. see uh, what what uh, you know what happens. And also, like you know, Oklahoma State, like you know, it, it, it'll be different in the Big East when you're playing these teams twice in the year, who also are going to know McClung and, and and things like that, and they'll have a better sense of how to defend them versus you know when you're playing these one-off games, you know, you kind of it's more about you than the other team. Well, when he's banking in three pointers from twenty-six feet, you know, what can you really do? I totally agree with the idea that usually after, you know, it's like a, you know, a coach gets fired or the star player goes down. Like there, you you do see these heroic things. It's sort of like when, what, like they talk about, like there's a kid stuck under a car, the mom can like lift it up. Right. It's like those sort of just moments. Um, But what they did as far as how they won this game was kind of the way that you, you know, if you, you know, if, if this was, do you remember the game against Xavier a couple years ago where Trey Campbell had like 21 points and it was just sure. like, how, how did they beat number five Xavier? It was, you know, it was a, a tough season. And I remember telling people, I was like, well, if Trey Campbell keeps averaging 21, I think they have a shot to beat almost anybody, you know, cause at that point, you know, you, you're going to get points from peak and prior and whatever. Um, so in looking at what happened, nobody really kind of went out of their mind. It wasn't like Wahab had like 13 points and you're like, wow, that's such a, that's such an outlier. Like, you know, that, that's not something that can be repeated. <clears throat> so they kind of, they kind of showed you what they have to do and what they're capable of doing. And it'll be interesting. I know there's a lot of back and forth of people on Twitter and I haven't really gotten into it about there's, you know, there's kind of like team Akinjo team McClung um, just kind of like <laughs> nonsense banter, but you do sort of wonder 
like I said, he's not going to average 33 points a game, but now that he knows he can kind of play through struggles as a scorer, like he's not going to get the short hook because there's really nowhere else to go. It'll be interesting what that sort of does to his game, right? Like the idea of like, he can sort of try this, try that. Like I said, he took that shot from like almost half court and he stayed in the game because it's like, okay, what are you going to do about it? You know, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not suggesting he's going to be doing all these crazy things, but I do think as a score and as someone that knows, like, I'm going to, he's going to be getting 15 to 25 shots a game. That's just, that's just a fact. So it'll be interesting what that does to him. Right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, to to use, uh, I'm not remotely comparing McClung to the player I'm about to mention, but just to use as a scenario, as an example, when Allen Iverson was playing with the Sixers in the year that they made it to the finals, the reason, the underrated part of that success was that the Sixers had assembled a team around Iverson where guys understood they were Iverson was going to score and they were in it for the rebounding defense and the dirty work. Now with Georgetown, if if you put McClung in sort of that role, like look, this guy's upside is on the offensive end. We have to compensate for him on the other places. You know, I, I'm not suggesting that Allen is necessarily a defensive freak, but if he gets after it, Mosley is sort of that kind of a gritty type player. Um, you know, Alexander's got you know. Got, so wait, who is who play. is um. Who who's Eric Snow? Who's Aaron McKee? Who's Matt Geiger? Well, I, I mean, I guess your Taven would be the Matt Geiger, uh, but beyond that, I, I don't know, and I don't think I have I don't think we have enough time for me to uh, to to sort through all this. But uh, I'm just saying, if, if you know what, again, this goes back to what. That's actually a great a great segue because we are literally up against it right now. We have to say our goodbyes. Uh, well, goodbye. Have fun. Thank you for having me on again. That is that is at Ben Standing at The Athletic. I am at Bobby Bancroft. Follow us. Go to iTunes. Go to Spotify. Give us a five out of five. We'll see you next time.